Welcome to the Messianic Media Podcast, a discussion of Messianic, Christian, and secular artistic works with David and Mark. Welcome to the Messianic Media Podcast, a discussion of Messianic, Christian, and secular artistic works with David and Mark. Today we're talking about An American Tale, uh, which came out in 1986. Um, wow. Yeah, I obviously didn't quite see it when it came out. I imagine the same for you, Mark. I was young, quite young. It looks like three or four when it came out. But I had it on video cassette when I was pretty young. I definitely saw it on video cassette back in the day, but I think if it was like five and older or something like that so it would have been a few years after that might have been on tv eventually by that point it's an animation it's a cartoon movie but um and kids do like it they're relatable characters but it's definitely a heavy film not just for children and i would say it's almost it's really scary for children at times yeah there's definitely that undertone and i think it's similar some other films um from that company i think like the amlin entertainments amblimation as it was called it could be seen as disney um like people mistake it for that just because there weren't too many uh traditionally animated films that were released for children pre-dreamworks yeah dreamworks and stuff had the cg animation so you almost associate some of the nicer american animation with disney cartoons they did cut some corners compared to um, major disney pictures but this was was released by universal the collaboration with steven spielberg wasn't as involved as he would be with his live action films where he's directing so this was released the same year as it's a great mouse detective so i guess just an example of people coming up with same ideas years in advance and i confused a great mouse detective with rescuers i believe i've seen a uh, great mass detective because I've seen all the modern or s- semi-modern uh, Disney animated films. I don't really mm. remember too much of, other than that was kind of a Sherlock Holmes one. I don't remember that, but I the Rescuers and the Rescuers Down Under, those are like tonally, those kind of match this where like an American tale, they're like heavy animation films about it's like on the surface it's like about a mouse like just below the surface it's about basically children getting abducted or getting you know getting lost in the city and about you know really heavy issues like immigration and racism like oppression even as a little kid like i could see the jewish symbolism but there's a lot to it i'm just following it from from that example Mouskowitz is the you know the character's name and Fievel I haven't heard of the name outside of that but that is a Yiddish name and that was actually named after Steven Spielberg's grandfather who immigrated to the U.S. Ah, okay what time frame does this take place according to Wikipedia they said 1885 I think it's okay 1885 yeah oh yeah no here is uh Back to the Future 3. Yeah. Which actually okay, which... ends up working because, you know, the sequel to American Tale, where they go. Yeah, that, that explains the sequel. 
because the Statue of Liberty is being built. I didn't realize the Statue of Liberty was that late. Um, it arrived in America that late. So are you able to read the Hebrew writing? Uh, like I on the walls? To, I did have to look that up, um, that one example. Um, so there's one with a pic, you know, a picture of Fievel. That's the main one I was thinking of. Um, it's a little morbid because, you know, they, the family assumes that Fievel's dead. He went off the boat. It's his name and then it's an acronym. May their soul be bound up in the bond of life. It's from First Samuel uh, 25, but basically talking about like may someone go up to heaven. Considering the, the tone of that, that's that. I think that was the only major Hebrew theme that I saw. Feels like there's a lot of Jewish immigrant culture, not a lot of specifically um, called out Jewish things. Um, we're recording this as our special Hanukkah episode. Um, Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah gets pretty brief mention in the film. I guess it should be commended that you know it's a a major film that actually mentions the holiday, but they don't do a lot with it. I think. Hanukkah is an appropriate holiday for a lot of what's going on thematically in the in the film. In the, at the beginning, they're celebrating Hanukkah, but then it's a remembrance of people, you know, Jews in exile being uh, like oppressed, occupation under some evil cats. You know, the great mouse of Minsk at the, that comes at the very end, and like they're they're gathering together for the wowies, the rallies. I think that's that kind of fits in with some of the themes of of Hanukkah. That's a good point. Yeah, that um, Hanukkah is oppression um, within the land of Israel. It is Sorry. about foreign occupation. Yeah, the temple being desecrated, rebelling against Greeks that were mandating uh, secularization. The cats are trying to eat the mice, even though on one hand, it's, it's darker than the average cartoon. On the other hand, it still feels very cartoonish. Yes, the fireworks and whatnot. It seems like the, the mice can defeat the cats with relative ease, that they're able to easily run away or dodge them. And of course, you know, I'm not thinking about that in the cartoon, but it's like, a, you know, if, you, if they slip up once, they're dead. Well, the other funny thing about this is like when I was a kid, like my impression of what was happening in the film was completely different from what was actually happening on screen. <laughs> Cat characters, there they're are like, the ones that got get chased onto the boat, you know, like what, eight cats, ten cats at the most, maybe fewer than that. Right. And then, and then at the end, they're singing, "There are no cats in America." Now there are no cats, but you're like, oh, maybe there are, you know, on a different part, you know, not on Ellis Island or, or wherever. Or, uh. Yeah, they just got rid of one particularly unruly gang. Doesn't quite parallel. Russia per se, like the opening scene where the Russian cats are chasing the mice. It feels more like a, maybe a mob movie. They start off in Russia, which reminds me of like Fiddler a little bit. And then they end up in, uh, in Hamburg, Germany. They take a boat, the boat to, to America. I thought that was an interesting immigrant story. I've heard maybe that my family back was like maybe Russian. I'm not sure though. We have a Salinger in our history. That's where our, our Jewish blood comes from. Uh, my great-grandfather immigrated from Russia. He was born in 1875, so about 15 years before that. I guess the main thing with the 
dating this movie is, is yeah, the Statue of Liberty's under construction. And, and you're right, I didn't think it was constructed that late. And also, you know, that there's the rules of the Tsar in Russia versus, you know, the Russian revolution in the communism, which happened after World War One. You know, that and, and Fiddler on the Roof definitely parallel real life where it wasn't strictly, it wasn't officially anti-Jewish, but like often it was like that there was a lot of anti-Semitism and Jews were an easy target. In the film, it's not only a Jewish immigrant story, like on the boat, the mice that are singing about the cats on the boat, like as they're traveling yeah. over, like uh, an Italian trying to escape the, the mob, you know, the, the, the Sicilian mob. And then there's an Irish mouse who's singing. And I actually can't even understand the Irish mouse's song, half of his story. No, it definitely fits the immigration scene. And, and Tales of America is a land of opportunity. It wasn't the paradise that you know, they were expecting. But because they yes. it was still a land of opportunity. They also say the street is, streets are paved with cheese in the... In yeah. The, yeah, I like that line. And the streets are paved with cheese. Oh, yeah, I love that. The, the music in this movie is really cool. I appreciate that. The, all the songs are great. Yeah, I think there was only about four or five songs way to keep the, the cost down on it. Well, if they needed to keep the film down to a small length. Um, this was the first film of the animation studio. Yeah, they had that long instrumental intro it's basically just a pan no cats in, the, in america is a is a really good song it's fun now somewhere out there actually apparently had some some radio success supposedly the highest charting original song from an animated film since early disney era and yeah then, uh disney would go on in the 90s to you know have the re-success of the movie musical I think it's a nice song. I get what it's it's doing. It you know, especially has an intentional, uh, pitchy kind of sound from the from Fievel. It's just an okay song. I remember it being on the radio, and like you would go to the dentist and like hear the song at the dentist, <laughs> or like like throughout the eighties and maybe probably even the early nineties, it still got pretty regular play. So they used the end credits version um, for that for like the radio. Disney did that with the whole new world, like they had at the end credits version as opposed to the the one that's sung in the movie even as a kid i thought it was a little simple and what i like about it is the film kind of needs it for, especially for the kids we we mentioned you mentioned the length of the, the film when i was in high school i remember looking at the back of the video cassette and noticing that the the entire run length was like 75 minutes maybe at the most maybe 74 minutes and i was astonished because as a kid it felt like a long movie with like like this traumatic story of like a child being separated from his parents so the the song is kind of like this little break that gives you a little bit of hope to say maybe Fievel's got a chance to see his family again for um at least for the for the kids yeah I, I remember just like I was devastated like at the end when he comes so close to finding his family before he gets like basically dropped in an orphanage I was like wow what's going on <laughs> my little my little heart couldn't take it when I was a kid no that's yeah they needed yeah they get a little bit of a break in the action or yeah it's a break where 
bad stuff isn't happening to Bible. There's a scene right towards the end where he basically like gives up first frustrated and then like a minute later then the family finds him which could have used a little more or they could have cut the scene the short enough film anyway but as a kid it felt that felt a lot longer than it actually it's <laughs> on, on the screen well they do have a song duo where Forever thinking about how it gets along with uh with the one tiger the cat it was a little long. I, I like the element that they added to that, that not all cats are yeah. evil. I was confused when I, I was when I was younger. I didn't realize how close to the end of that movie that, that character that song was. You know, as an adult watching that, like a, a cat that only eats fish and a little bit of veggies seems silly, you know, that it was shoehorned in like a way to make a cat seem seem good. Um it's a little yeah. definitely more believable than the shark that's um, not trying to eat fish from Finding Nemo. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Vegetarians Anonymous, whatever there it, it yeah. is. Oh, Finding Nemo is another movie maybe we could talk about sometime. I think it helps the metaphor though a little bit. The the theme, you know, not all cats, not all cats are like trying to, you know, swindle you and kill you. Like in the immigration story, you know, there were there were a lot of mad who you know were mean to the to the immigrants but then there were also people who kind of helped out and were and uh you know took care of the foreigner not specifically a jewish thing but the the sweatshop that he gets stuck in that's kind of a parallel that works pretty well movie and the, and the real life thing kids kind of abducted and forced to work i like that they show the real what's happening for the like the people they pull out and it's a woman working sewing i like the glimpses that you see of humans throughout um you know from that you can see that humans are going through the same experiences with immigrating or working or in the beginning in russia they were oppressed so you get your your dose of history through that uh how about the name change do do, do your grandpa undergo a name change when he arrives no, yeah. I, I, Kasdan isn't too complex, I guess. My great-grandfather was also named David. I like the compromise on this. You know, first, they don't change the last name of the Mouskowitzes, but they do show other characters getting their, their name changed. And internally, there was discussion. Um, Steven Spielberg was really set on having the character's name Fievel. I think kind of the compromise he did was that one of the characters mistakes his name or he nicknames him as was was a philly yeah philly they add it into the plot too the dad is sure that that he's dead and he's given up he's mostly given up hope but then the sister said oh they they changed my name to tilly maybe they've changed Fievel's name to philly it's a good point yeah and especially because we don't seem to give much to the sister I, i think she also works as an example of what Fievel should be doing. He shouldn't be running off or confronting danger. She does the right thing while he's reckless. Yeah, why did he have to go see the fish? (laughs) This time, you know, as a parent, I really feel for the dad in the film when he loses his son. That would would just be heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when he's like searching for his kid 
and he, he like loses him on the boat. His voice is kind of like uh, kind of reminds me of Zero Mostel in uh, in Fiddler a little bit too. I don't remember any specific prayers. They they seem to be like culturally like a Jewish family. I don't know if there's like specific mentions of like God at all. No, they they don't really mention stuff per se. You know, in Hanukkah they don't show the candles; they just show the the gift and and you know obviously yeah. winter time. In the song somewhere out there, Fievel says someone saying a prayer. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of religious references for that, even though Mouskowitz would parallel to characters from Fiddler on the Roof including playing the violin. Yeah, I like the music, yeah, the vi- that violin. It feels like some klezmer music throughout early parts of the film, especially. So the Great Nows of Minsk um, feels similar to the story of the golem, Jewish story about a, a giant protector in Russia. The golem is made by, by human hands or Jewish hands, and it's similar to how the, they come together and put together the, the giant mouse to to scare off the cats. I thought it was kind of funny that they had the, like they had writing on the mouse. I thought that the cats would realize what was up with the with the giant mouse, but maybe I was thinking of a different movie where something like that happened. Maybe they real, realize it later, you know, like too late, like when they're already on the boat to Hong Kong. That end sequence, I remember it being so much bigger <laughs> and longer. You know, maybe they had a re-release in the theaters when I was a kid. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's how I saw it the first time. This was, it was big enough that they did um, sequels and TV shows. I mm-hmm. definitely saw the, the sequel, which I think doesn't have as much of the peril or dark situations. It's just kind of a more slapstick Western kind of thing. Five Goes West. I'll maybe rewatch it, but I, I remember only watching it in the in the theaters and outfits just as an experiment i i did try watching uh one episode of the animated tv series it's on peacock the nbc uh streaming service which is for free it wasn't that good at all typical kids cartoon so like the sequel movie uh tiger is a bigger part of the story he's basically the sidekick to to Fievel. and that oh element, yeah gotcha. I think that element works in the in the future movies but then yeah. the story itself was pretty weak and the father was completely recast he did kind of have a jewish kind of sound but they didn't even bother trying to make it sound similar to the movie oh that's too bad and they have a random side character that is a steve Irwin um type character so he looks and sounds yeah. Uh, you know crocodile hunter i appreciated that that was about the only thing that was worth seeing in in that <laughs> i'd be more interested in like the the jewish immigrant in in uh in new york like five goes west was it's like a fun idea and it's different enough so seeing new york through like develop would have been i think would have been interesting it's almost it's surprising how built up new york already is in the i guess in the 1880s yeah. Uh, within when the film takes place. And I think other than Statue of Liberty could have been the same thing as turn, you know, turn of the century. It definitely fit an error on that. Um, yeah, yeah. It felt yeah, like that. New York was definitely a large city. And I was also thinking about how New York is so much larger 
um, because of how small the mice are. But there's just so much more ground to cover. They did two direct to video releases that were set within his time in New York following this film, but before the second film. The sequel has a good idea in that they going west and using that era. I think it worked well, even if you that loses some of the Jewish names. One of them they meet uh, like Native American uh, mice. I have gotcha. I think the film is kind of lower budget. There's small set pieces. The backgrounds are pretty static and not showing humans. Also probably helped with the budget. Feels like a, an earlier era of like Disney animation, this 50s and 60s and 70s. Which isn't the best, but better than a lot of animation that you see on TV now. I like it. I dig it. It works well for kids. If they're old enough to handle the amount of peril that the character goes through and that things don't get resolved that quickly, there's no true like funny comic relief sidekick, which is typical of animated movies. Can't be too old because it's a you know straightforward story where you kind of predict how things are going if you're older. I really liked this when I was young. And then the last time I watched it was probably almost 10 years ago, but I still had it on DVD. <laughs> so I was able to watch it on DVD. I picked it up from, uh, they actually have a video rental store here. And, uh, awesome. Tucson. You know, not Blockbuster, obviously, but an independent chain. The video rental store slash bar. <laughs> um, I think they probably make more money from the bar, but I'm sure it's beneficial one one part of the business supports the others. Yeah, there you go. It was not streaming, really. It's one of those films you can probably find bargain bin DVD somewhere. It's a nice uh, immigration story. Rewatched uh, Godfather Part Two last week. It's a little similar, though. But that's why the Sicilian really stuck out to me. <laughs> Most stories, I think, tend to, like, the immigration is part of the story, and then they tell about how their life is settled after for quite a bit longer after. He leaves his home and then he's kind of homeless really until the very end of the film. And then finally he's okay. If you want to get in touch with us, it's messianicmedia at gmail.com, facebook.com slash messianicmedia. I've done some Zoom related stuff for Hanukkah um, with the family. And I think I'd even did pre-Zoom like FaceTime. Nice. Have you ever celebrated Hanukkah? Just in my own little private sort of way. Uh, like I've read your dad's book a little bit around around the time. Or uh, as um, Facebook friends like you and other people in the Messianic community and Jewish community, I'm sure. I'll usually kind of revisit the story. So happy Hanukkah to the listeners out there and to you, Mark, as well. And, uh, Thank you. Christmas. Yeah, happy Hanukkah. And there are no cats in America. Thank you for listening to the Messianic Media Podcast, a discussion of Messianic, Christian, and secular artistic works. And I had it was a dual disc with Balto. Oh, I haven't seen that one. I think that would be an interesting dive on on how that story is portrayed. It's based off historical events, but then they definitely chose to historical revision kind of in the way that like Pocahontas kind of really twists the story around to tell a 
a fairy tale. Okay. Yeah. And obviously there's the whole premise, you know, is in Balto is around talking animals, which obviously, obviously you have to radically change it from real life events anyway. I heard an interesting pastor talk about how, um, like possibly Tychus Epiphanes was, uh, he was a bad dude and there might be, there might be others like him coming, possibly like Antichrist is supposed to be like similar. Growing up, I basically just studied Revelation as a future history book um, where it's yeah. talking about events to come. I think it is important to understand the, the context in which it was written, like with Roman oppression or Greek oppression, the parallels to, to leaders of the time. And also the, what the prophets are saying too. For some people say you can't really understand Revelation unless you understand Daniel. Definitely beyond the scope of this episode with an American tale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>